Hi, I'm Lisa Stokey, and I'm here in central Massachusetts with my friend and colleague, Dan Kittredge. Today, I'm gonna ask Dan about his work with the Bionutrient Food Association, and we're also gonna learn about some really exciting projects that we've been working on that we're really excited to share with you. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Always a pleasure. There might be a few people who don't know you yet. I think a lot of people in, <laughs> in the regenerative and biological and organic food and agriculture space are aware of your work. But of course, my organization, Next 7 a lot of people maybe aren't familiar with it. If they did, you'd probably be getting a lot more email because what you're working on <laughs> is super exciting. Just for everybody else who hasn't heard about your work yet, why don't you tell us? All right. My name is Dan Kittredge. I'm, uh, I grew up on an organic farm here in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. and my parents' careers was working for an organic farming association called NOFA. They started in the 80s and just retired in 2020. Ran the conference, wrote the newspaper, organized, you know, ran the organizations, and, uh, you know, wrote, wrote organic standards. So I've got a, I've got a long background mm -hmm. in that in the organic community, both growing food and also being part of the organizations and the movement. Mm -hmm. And as I grew up and had found no better lifestyle than homesteading to raise a family, at least mm -hmm. in my perspective, set about trying to do that about 15 years ago and rapidly realized that I didn't really have the skills to flourish, uh, even though I had the background with much more perspective than others, I didn't really have the skills to flourish. And so I spent some time studying, reading books, going to conferences, attending seminars, practicing, mm -hmm. and learning really just more well how to work with nature. Mm -hmm. I think I'd been taught about farming as a plant and weed and pick, mm -hmm. but not necessarily about the relationship with nature mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. listening to and sensing and things like that and discernment. Studied, practiced, got to a point where much better health, better pest mm -hmm. and disease resistance, better yields, better profitability, better flavor and aroma, and I think nutrient levels, mm -hmm. and started an organization in 2010 called the Bionutrient Food Association, whose mission is to uh, increase quality in the food supply. And by quality, we mean flavor, aroma, nutritional value. We think there's a lot of communities in the broader food movement that are you know, organic or permaculture or biodynamic or regenerative is a new one. There was sustainable, there was agroecology. There's a bunch of communities that are pulling on these strings of mm -hmm. a deeper harmony with life. And mm -hmm. our thought was, in most cases, these are organizations <laughs> focused on, and communities focused on practices. And my thought was, what about the results? And specifically when it comes to food, the nutritional value, the nutrient density of that food being the objective really we're focusing on. Right. Not a label, but like, is it more flavorful? Is it more nutritious? Is it better for me? Yep. We founded the organization, the Bionutrient Food Association, with a focus on the quality of the food and said, let's integrate the wisdom from biodynamics and organic and permaculture, et cetera. And so we started off by doing courses, Principles of Biological Systems. We started a, a conference, the Soil and Nutrition Conference, mm -hmm. and pretty much grassroots spread across North America and now um, Europe as well. We've been doing work in the rest of the world only has access via the internet, YouTube mm -hmm. and things like that. But in the past five years, we've been focusing on really trying to bring a little bit more specificity and clarity to that nutrient density conversation. Mm -hmm. So what is the nutritional variation in food? What mm -hmm. are the specific things that are mm -hmm. causal? Can we give people an ability to test nutrient density to discern it directly so they don't have to have a label or a certification system and things like that? We've you know, got our 
I was just going to ask you if, yeah. you don't, if we don't have a label. <laughs> how do you know? How do you know, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm a mom. I've been shopping and buying organic food for my kids for almost 30 years now. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the best that I've had to go by, really. Especially when I was in Iowa. When you're in a grocery store, yeah. you look for that organic label. I'm 100%. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. now you're saying that there's something else that we that we can do that that's not organic is process based, right? That's something mm-hmm. that you it and means I talk there's about no quite synthetic chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, you know, fertilizers applied. Right. Generally, some basic soil management practices, but yeah, you can feel fairly safe that toxins are not present, mm-hmm. or at least they're at a much 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 reduced level. Yeah. In your organic food, than your not organic food. Yeah. And so what I have said for a while is. It's great to not have toxins, yeah. but we're really looking for nutrition. Right. So instead of nothing bad, how about how much good? Right. And so that's really where we're trying to focus this nutrient density conversation is really, again, it's also not a black and white. You know, yeah. there's an extremely good carrot, there's a mediocre carrot, and a really quite poor carrot, or right. tomato, or milk, or beef, or mm-hmm. rice, or whatever it is you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Things in nature are not black and white. They're mm-hmm. generally somewhere in a continuum. Mm-hmm. And so... What we've done with this meter, this is our first generation mm-hmm. meter, it's not our final draft, but is begin to give people the experience of flashing a light at a leaf of lettuce or at a carrot and getting a reading back that says, this is in the 84th percentile, this is in the 20th percentile, yeah. this is in the 50th percentile. The concept here is if people who care about the quality of the food they eat or maybe the quality of the food they feed their children, uh-huh. if we can give them the ability to make decisions based on quality, not on labels, then we can support growers in focusing on quality because as the market moves, the producers move Mm -hmm. accordingly. So So this is something I want to unpack a little bit. Okay. Because... Unpack away. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot to unpack. There is a lot to unpack because when I first met you in 2017, Mm -hmm. um, right after I had just come from a National Organic Standards Board meeting, campaign that I was running was called Protect Organic. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of work for a while now on uh, protecting organic standards. Mm -hmm. And it was after this meeting that was in late 2017 where hydroponic was approved in organic. And a lot of people, you know, they might think, well, what's wrong with that, you know, or whatever. But as an organic farmer and as somebody who's been buying organic for a long time, actually avoiding hydroponic for a long time, I was rather upset and kind of stunned when I found out that hydroponic was allowed. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I know that nutrition for the plants come from the soil, Mm -hmm. come from that ecosystem of the soil in the microbes and everything that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. So there's still, and I still buy organic, of course. Mm -hmm. It's the best that I can really access. I know that's true for a lot of a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people who care about their health and their children's health and want to eat clean and, you know, nutrition and, and all of that. Right. So but when I'm so then I met you after this this meeting that I'd come from where we we lost that on the standards. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that people don't know is that the organic standards have changed so much. Yeah. You know, you mentioned <laughs> your parents like working on the standards and we You and I know people who are foundational in the organic community, like Fred Kirshenman, who's also a part of my organization, and your parents, Jack Kittredge and Julie Rawson, and a number of people around Mm -hmm. the U.S. So the one thing I like to tell people is that the standards of that time are not the same as what they are now, right? Yeah. The 
I mean, I'm just going to say it, and I said it back then, is that it's really fraudulent label. Because the reason it's fraudulent is because what it started out to be and what people expect it to be, because that's what it was when it started. When, Well, we could even just say when the USDA took it over, which it was already a little bit watered down then. Mm -hmm. But it's not even the same as what it was then, right? It's really changed over the last 10 and 20 years, especially. And my father was on the certification committee of NOFA, Massachusetts in 1986, I think, when mm -hmm. they passed the first standards as part of the local statewide organization. And mm -hmm. I remember asking him probably 20 years later, why did you guys focus on process as opposed to quality? And he said, because we didn't have any way of testing quality. Actually, we wanted organic to be a quality standard mm. to focus on the value of the food and the health of the soil, mm. but we didn't have any way of testing. Mm -hmm. And so we almost lost it then. We, we made the decision then because even though we wanted it to be a quality standard, we didn't have the capacity to test for it. The, the best we could do was a process standard. Mm. And then uh, certainly the standards have evolved since the USDA took it over and they now allow a lot more industrial practices than was the original impulse of the organic movement. 100%. So when we say process, because I think sometimes when I say this to people, it doesn't yeah. quite compute. So when people, just to kind of go over that, just a little bit process-based, is like an inspector comes to an organic farm mm -hmm. and they just have a series of questions. What you and I say lots of times is kind of binary, basically, mm -hmm. right? Yes, I do this. No, I don't do this. Yeah. This is my thing. This is not my thing. And it's a process-based, not outcomes-based. As long as none of the things you did violate the standard, yeah. then you get certified. It's like, what did you use for fertilizer? Mm -hmm. What did you use... How did you till? How did you mm -hmm. um, wash and pick and pack and weed? Mm -hmm. There's not really a way of saying what is the nutritional value of the plants? Yeah. What's the health of the plants? What's mm -hmm. the health of the soil? Sorry. Those things are not actually part of the standard for organic. Right. And there's a lot of farmers that, that we know, your mother being one of them, that will do other things, of course, to work with the land way and work and with the soil that are above the standards, right? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's a lot of organically certified food on the market in grocery stores and other places probably too that's organically certified, but it may be grown in like a monoculture system, for example, and they may not be doing things to nurture the soil. I mean, hydroponic Heavy, is allowed, so yeah. obviously you don't even need soil, right? And should animals be outside, cows eating grass every day, or that's also not you know, part of the there's a lot of anymore. things, a yeah. lot of things now that are not what it was. And right. I try to focus not on what's wrong, what do we not want, but what do we want. Exactly. And, I, and my sort of yeah. comment or insight, or or my, at least my work, my passion is that it's the health of the food, yeah, the nutritional value of the food mm -hmm. that is what people do want, and. Yeah. I think it's also the health of themselves and their families that they do want, and yeah. maybe even the health of the environment Agreed. is also yeah. that they do want. And so yeah. if we can move from a, I didn't use chemicals, I didn't use fertilizers, to I built a healthier soil, my food is more nutritious, yeah. it's better for you. Yeah. It seems to me that's something that a lot of people could come together around. Yeah. And the real issue has been, how do you define better? Right. How do you test better? Mm -hmm. And to the point, how do you go from a binary, you are organic or are not, or are regenerative or are not, to uh, I'm in the 30th percentile, I'm in the 60th percentile, I'm in the 80th percentile, because that's really how For life nutrition. works. 
Right. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. It's right. not. It's not a black and white. Yeah. And rea reality is not black and white. Right. You're not either sick or healthy. You're somewhere in the middle. Most of us. <laughs> you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yeah, there's so much there. Always, I mean, there's always so much we can talk about, right? Yeah. So then with organic, what lots of times what I will say to you is that it, I, unfortunately, it's, it feels like the, the journey of our, our organic, the label, has been to be a label of what it doesn't have, right? Mm -hmm. Just like what you are saying. Yeah. And you think about it, they go, oh, well, I'm avoiding toxins. I feel like I'm avoiding GMOs, mm -hmm. which nature doesn't. Pollen travels, so you can still get GMO in your organic food. And so mm -hmm. then people have to get certified non-GMO, even their organic food. Yep. So it is all process-based. You can't plant GMO seeds, but because of pollen, you can get genetically engineered pollen, I guess, from the environment Neighbors into fields. your exactly yeah. into your organic corn, for example, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. Lots of times I say to you, I think that people who eat organic and seek organic, like me, like I have for many, many years now, over 30 years, I've really been looking for the things that, that you're talking about with stimulating what you call biological systems mm -hmm. and may also be called a regenerative system mm -hmm. without getting too much into the weeds and that. You started, we haven't even talked about what you did to get to this place with this, mm -hmm. you started a survey of the food supply, right? Well, the first thing we did in 2017 was we built a meter that... What is this called, by the way? We call this the bionutrient meter, and it is a handheld consumer-priced spectrometer. So basically, it flashes a light at the carrot or the milk or the, or the beef mm -hmm. and reads the light that bounces back. Mm -hmm. And what spectrometry does is it can tell you, based on the light, what's in it. So what's the level of polyphenols or antioxidants or protein or copper or zinc? All these things in chemistry vibrate as well. So in physics, we can see them as light. And so what we've got here is basically the ability to go up to a piece of lettuce or a mm -hmm. piece of beef and see relatively what is in it or what is not in it. Yeah, we started in 2017 by building the first generation of this and saying, mm -hmm. is it possible to put something together at a $300, $400 price point mm -hmm. that a consumer could use at the grocery store or at the farmer's market? Then in 2018, we built our first lab where we started sampling crops from across mm -hmm. the country. We did carrots and spinach and we looked at nutrient levels. We wanted to say, okay, so if we have a meter that can be used to test, then we need to have a standard to test against. Mm. And so Celsius said, I'm going to take the temperature at which water freezes and call that zero. Mm. I'm going to take the temperature at which water boils and call that 100. Mm. And then we're going to have equal gradations in between that. Mm -hmm. And so now we've got a, 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 a scale to test with. Mm -hmm. So what we're doing is saying... What do you call that scale? The Celsius scale, the centigrade oh. scale. I was talking about the one you started, but go ahead. <laughs> We're trying to do that with nutrient levels in food. And so our concept is, what's the most exquisitely nutritious carrot and mm -hmm. what's the most poor carrot? That's zero and 100. So then we can have a gradation in between and then we can have this meter calibrated to that. So this carrot's in the 84th percentile, this carrot's in the 18th percentile. So we started that process in 2018 with carrots and spinach and we found some pretty massive nutrient yeah. variations. Tell us, tell us about that. What were some of the things that kind of surprised you? About the the results that you got from the data in 2018. Well, about the variation. Surprised or validated? Interesting. 
yeah, I mean, my understanding has been for a long time that yeah. there is really major nutrient variation in food. It's just one of those things that not anybody who has the ability to assess really wants assessed. People who are in the food supply chain and are selling things in scale and have resources aren't necessarily interested in people knowing how good the food is that they're providing. So, mm. like I said, we tested carrots and spinach in 2018. We looked at 15 different elements, copper and zinc and calcium and potassium, and we looked at antioxidants and polyphenols, which are sort of health-giving compounds. Mm -hmm. And I think it was calcium was three to one in carrots. So, for example, this carrot would have as much calcium in it as those three carrots, which is pretty significant. With, with spinach and iron, it was 18 to one. So wow. yeah. this leaf of spinach has as much iron in it as those 18 leaves of spinach. I mean, that's starting to add up. And then right. when we looked at antioxidants and polyphenols, it was more like 75 to 1 or 200 to 1. Literally, this piece of spinach would have as many antioxidants in it as those 200 leaves of spinach. And so... So that means that you'd have to eat 200 leaves... Of this spinach, the worst quality we found, to equal the amount of antioxidants you would get in this one leaf of the best quality we found. Now, unless you really like spinach. <laughs> Some of us do. I would say it depends on whether it's flavorful or not, is right. whether you enjoy it. Right. And most of what's in the grocery store is not particularly flavorful, which correlates, interestingly, very directly to nutrient, nutrient value, yeah. nutrient density, health-giving mm -hmm. attribute. We have these noses and tongues, which are evolved nutrient-sensing mm. mechanisms. Mm. When you bite into a carrot and it tastes that nice carroty flavor and crisp and sweet and whatever else, you're like, ooh, I want to take another bite. Yeah. That is your nutrient monitoring device, your tongue's telling you this is good for me. Yeah. And when you bite into a carrot that kind of tastes bitter or mm. bland or a little bit soapy, that's your nutrient monitoring device, your tongue telling you it's not good for you. Mm. And my argument is it doesn't matter if it's got an organic label on it, if it tastes bad to you, that's your inbuilt nutrient monitoring system, your instinct telling you it's not good. So it may not be toxic, right? There may not be toxins in it, right. but it's relatively poor, relatively empty of nutrition. Yeah. And why else do we eat food, right? Well, we eat it for nutrition. And enjoyment. And for flavor, Yeah. right? Yeah. And so when we can increase the nutrient value of our food through growing in natural in systems. In harmony with nature. In harmony with nature. Yeah. Then we are accomplishing a lot of different things. In 2018, I said we built our first lab and we looked, identified yeah. nutrient variation. And in 2019, we built our, our second lab out in California. And we began to work with the growers to document the management practices, mm -hmm. the fertility programs, the soil health, and the nutrient levels. So we can connect mm -hmm. soil organic matter, soil biological activity with nutrient levels, with no-till or with cover crops or with whatever else. That sounds pretty important. Yeah. When I went to the USDA and talked to them about this in 2016, they said, yeah. look, we think there's a connection between soil health, plant health, and human health, but it's too complicated. We can't figure it out. And as of this year, it looks like the USDA is taking on our data structure and saying the way you've organized this ability to look at these things together is a way that we want to apply to all of our data structures over time, Just. I feel validated by that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, we did 2019, we had two labs and we did six crops and we did looked at management and soil and crops next to each other. And then in 2020, we had mm -hmm. um, we did 21 different crops, looked at all these different nutrients, the elements and the compounds, identified the variation across the board, yeah. 150 different farms, um, two continents, yeah. 
connected pretty directly these management practices, this level of soil health, and this nutrient levels. So mm -hmm. we've got the data now to show, not that it was a surprise, mm -hmm. but nobody had done it and put it all together yet. Right. That how you take care of the land connects to the health of the land, yeah. connects to the health of the food. Nutrient density. Um, nutrient density of the food. We haven't, yeah. um, at least the nutrient levels in the food. We haven't done the final step, which is human trials, and said, let's feed 20 children high-quality carrots and 20 children low-quality carrots and see what happens to them. We haven't done that part yet, but right. as far as a calibration for the meter, which you can now flash at a leaf of lettuce and get a reading off of it in real time, we've done that. And so I feel very proud to have accomplished that with our yeah. allies, of which Next7 is a key one. I mean, there's much to do going forward. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would like to say just finally, perhaps, that all this work has been done through charitable donations mm -hmm. in the commons. So right. All open source, right? Everything's open source. The engineering for how to build this, the app, the data sets, the labs, everything's open source. So this understanding can never be controlled, bought, made black boxed, mm -hmm. proprietary. It's not available. It's copyleft, not copyright. It's... It's in the a, commons. It's a, it's a gift to society and humanity. Hopefully it'll have positive effect. <laughs> or I, maybe continue to. <laughs> I think it will. I think we're just getting started. This was a really exciting conversation. So to learn more, go to bionutrient.org or bionutrientinstitute.org if you want to learn more about the data and publish peer-reviewed reports will be up there soon. And you can see, like, the amazing team that has come together to help accomplish all of these things that Dan initiated and he talked about today. So thanks for joining us. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Lisa.